This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What are multi-level marketing businesses? Why have they become so popular? And are they different from pyramid schemes? We'll get to all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. Let's talk social media for a moment. I am sure the majority of you listening have seen someone on Instagram or Facebook, other platforms saying, hey, you. You can be your own boss. You could work for yourself if you just buy into XYZ company. Or hey, you can become rich if you join us. Seems enticing and simple enough, but there's a reason that when you head to Netflix or HBO, you see these documentaries about multi-level marketing companies and schemes, which really got me thinking about the people who tend to fall victim to these businesses. Multi-level marketing businesses, or MLMs for short, you've seen them. They sell products or services through person-to-person and sales. This means you can sell these products or services from anywhere at any time. Sounds perfect for side hustles, stay-at-home parents, or people who need a little extra cash, but it's way more complicated than that. A lot of people are willing to join these businesses because of the flexibility and the ability to be their own bosses. However, most people who join MLMs make little to no money at all. So if this is true, why do MLMs continue to be so popular? How have they changed over the years? And are they potentially dangerous? Here to talk me through all of this and more is a lead advisor for Seven Investing, Daniel Klein. Now, Daniel has covered retail technology and entertainment across a wide variety of platforms. So, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Abby. And you can call me Dan. I, uh, we can go super informal here if you like. Fantastic. Well, Dan, let's jump right in, shall we? What are multi-level marketing businesses and how exactly? do they work? So these are companies we're all sort of familiar with. And there's a couple that that sort of jump out. Like, remember when your kid graduates from college and and they get that job selling knives for Cutco? And (laughs) like, you have to call all your friends and like get them to buy knives they don't want. Well, the money isn't made so much in buying the knives. And this is true of Tupperware or various cosmetics or supplements. There's all sorts of players in this space. But the real money isn't made by selling knives. The money is made by getting your friends to become sort of sub-sellers under you and building sort of a sales pyramid. That's why these are often called pyramid schemes. And we don't use that term because many of these are legitimate businesses, but they're businesses where the person at the top of the pyramid is much more likely to be making money than the person at the bottom of the pyramid. So Mm. look, I know some people that did really well selling uh, Usborne books uh, because they were really good at throwing those parties and and she now sells adult toys and has done done very well with it but that's not typical and a lot of these companies and this is sort of where some of the the negative feelings come from 
they don't so much make their money from selling product to customers. They make money from fees and selling their products to their salespeople. Uh, you probably remember, remember LuLaRue, the yoga pants company. Uh, and I had someone in my family that sold those. And like their whole house was taken over by yoga pants. And you have to buy like... <laughs> Sounds like a dream. Well, it, it is. But let's say uh, we've never met. So let's say you're a, a medium. I, you also have to buy extra small and 4XL, and you have to sell them in the quantities they expect you to sell them. It's a really tricky situation to be in. And the reality is in most cases, you just fall into a deeper and deeper hole. It's really easy to see why these businesses are appealing. Hey, you're a mom, you know, you're, you need to work on the side, you know a lot of people. Um, you know, hey, this is a, it's a $99 signup fee and, and then you're in business for yourself, but it's not that simple and it can get ugly very quickly. Okay. So I just want to touch on something you said real quick. You said that the people at the top of the pyramid make more money than people at the bottom of the pyramid. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, How do you get to the top of the pyramid? So you basically talk people you know into being below you. And again, (laughs) overall... It's easier said than done, huh? Yeah. Well, there's nothing illegal about it, but I'm a really good salesperson. So (laughs) I could probably talk like my mother's friends, my mother, like who knows, into being under me and selling... Let's just pick, you know, whatever... Tupperware, because that, that is the most famous of these. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, I do really well when all the people on my team buy their kits, throw their first parties for the people they know. It goes well at the beginning for them. Uh, you know, it could be Pampered Chef, it could be Herbalife, it could be any of these things. And the more people, so then I say to them, well, you know, the real money is getting people under you. And then all of a sudden you can see the pyramid builds and builds and builds. And I'm collecting a little piece of what everybody does. And it doesn't matter if most of what they do is buy inventory from the company that they end up not selling. So if you end up with, you know, dozens of layers under you, you can do really well, but it's less than 1% that actually make money Uh... across a typical business. Uh, this is really enticing. It feels like it's going to go well, but you know, let's be honest. You've probably sold like Girl Scout cookies, or or I, I used to sell uh, M and M's when I was a hockey Darn player. Straight. We yeah. I sold Girl Scout cookies. That 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 is uh, a competition, and I don't shy away from any competition. Yeah. So yes. And here's the thing: getting your friends and family to buy some Thin Mints isn't that hard. Knocking on a door and getting someone to buy a Thin Mint is pretty hard because they know some Girl Scouts too. Well, imagine doing that for like Herbalife or Tupperware mm. or bugging people you only vaguely know on social media to get them excited about, uh, you know, whatever you might be selling when they probably have 17 other friends that are also selling it. Like, so it, it's, again, it sounds great. Own your own business, uh, limited money down, work on your own hours, but you really need to read the fine print. You really need to understand how you make your money and how they make their money and they make their money most of the time from you, not from you being successful. Mm. You brought up an interesting uh, point about social media. I grew up in the age of, okay, so when I was in college, you would get the random DMs like, hey, you should sell skinny tea. It'll change your life. Da, da, da. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, this, this has got to be more successful now that social media is involved. But these, these have been around Tupperware, for instance, was founded in 1946. So how did it work before social media? Yeah. So we used to have this thing called the home phone um, and you used to dial up. <laughs> I still your have one of those, by the way. Yeah. And, and, and so, wow. And yeah, I'm, I'm an old than- soul. I'm 27 years old with a home phone. I, uh, I could be your father. So <laughs> I'm, I'm 48 as of a couple of days ago. Oh, happy but birthday. You would do things like throw a dinner. Thank you. You would throw a dinner party 
and your friends would think they're coming over because it's, you know, luau night and you, you, you cooked a whole pig and made some poi or whatever it might be. And then like somewhere between dinner and dessert, you're like, hey, would you like to buy some? And it's <laughs> super shady. And again, there are products people want. I mentioned my friend who sold children's books, really my wife's friend. Uh, and, and she was really good at identifying parents and families that wanted those books. The problem is at some point, You've exhausted every contact you have, every friend of a friend. You've gone to, to festivals and fairs, and it's actually gotten worse with social media because I don't know about you, but I have like seven friends that sell Pampered Chef. Um, and I have no idea if Pampered Chef specifically is a good business or not. Uh, most of them say they're doing it just to get some free stuff, and that might be fine. But if I was to decide I want to sell Pampered Chef because I like to cook, the people I'd reach out to, they've already been reached out to. It's a lot easier. Like it used to be, if you were a really good salesperson, you could build a network. Now it's really hard to do. And are you really going to like go stand on a street corner and like, you know, try to book parties to sell like <laughs> knives or adult toys or, or supplements or skinny tea or whatever it might be to strangers? <laughs> like, like, look, if you're really good at selling, you know what? There's no shortage of sales jobs. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Easy, but you know, it's really easy to get a sales job. Uh, if, if you can sell, even if you think you can sell, those are all always sort of the jobs, they'll take a flyer on you. And if you're good at it, those jobs are really flexible too. Um, again, I totally understand the idea. You have a kid at home and it is women who largely uh, fall victim to these where you mm. want the flexibility. It feels easy and it might be easy for a few months while you're sort of, you know, annoying all your friends and working through your contract, your contacts. But do you really know a lot of people that like need a new supplement or, you know, what, you know, whatever it is, health foods or, or, or even a lot of Tupperware. Like, like I, I live half a mile from a target. You know what they sell? A lot of containers. Like it's not really hard. These are <laughs> There's no a whole longer... store called the container store. Yeah. It, it, th these are not difficult things to obtain anymore. And I'm pretty sure the Cutco knife, I don't even know if Cutco still exists, but the Cutco knife is probably not better than the knife I could get at the uh, Sur La Tabla a mile down the road. Here. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. If, if you're doing a, a luau and you cook a whole pig, you could be like, hey, before dessert, why don't you buy some skinny tea? It'll really slim you down. Before, <laughs> before I've, you never, I've never actually done that, but it feels like the kind of party my parents would have had in like 1984. <laughs> with the tiki torches and everything. Oh, uh, yes. With like, like everyone gets a lay and wears an ugly shirt. Like, like in the pre-internet era, it seemed like that type <laughs> of dinner party was a lot more common. I'd go to that party. I'll, I'll tell you that much. I don't care if you're selling skinny tea. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> okay. So you're saying that you, it's really, Really hard to actually turn a profit, right? So, uh, and I know that that you also mentioned that the people at the top make the most money, makes sense. But um, what do you think those people do well that helps them make more money than the people who are probably going into debt because they're buying all of these products and not yeah. selling anything? Or, or so they're really anything? good at selling the dream. Mm. Um, you know, you know, my my relative who who got you know fell for Lularoe, and there have been documentaries and you know and stories about people losing a lot of money. It was a really significant financial commitment. And the person who gets you involved sells you on their success on how much money they've made. Now, if they're unscrupulous, that might not be true. But even if they had made a lot of money, if it's someone you know, you have to think about, well, what percentage of people that I already know have already bought their yoga pants or their skinny tea or whatever it might be? Or, you know, am I really going to call like someone I went to high school with and be like, can I come to your house and throw a party? And like, <laughs> what, what's the need? What's, what's the demand? So, you know, yeah, I, I can sell you. I could probably sell anybody on, on the wonders of this of like, Oh, 
I'm taking Herbalife. It's changed my life. I have more energy. I've lost weight. I'm, uh, I'm taller. Like, like who, who knows what, what story you can tell? Um, and you may even believe it. I think there are a lot of true believers at, at the top of, the, of these pyramids. Uh, the problem is every person that's above you, it gets harder. Uh, you know, look, the traditional actual pyramid scheme was literally someone finds me, I give them a thousand dollars. They find uh, they find six other people and get seven thousand dollars, and then everyone below them is supposed to do the same, and it keeps growing, and they get a cut of it. The problem is at the end, at some point, there's no more people to to sign up, and somebody ends up losing their their thousand oh. dollars. So that's kind of how this works, and you really need to consider. What are all, what's all the fine print? How much inventory do I have to buy? What do I actually get if I, if I make some sales? Now, if you really considering doing this, you want to look at the companies that just make you pay, you know, your $99 fee, send you a sales kit and don't make you buy inventory, allow you to, you know, give away samples, take orders. But those are very few and far between because, you know, the reality is how do you do a Tupperware party without Tupperware? Like you have to buy some. Um, you know, but there are definitely companies where if, if you're thinking about this, where you don't need to spend thousands of dollars, you don't have a, a monthly or a quarterly commitment to buy things and you should be really, really careful and you shouldn't really accept the person who's selling you on it. You should ask, can I talk to four people on your team? Uh, and obviously they're going to give you the best people, but you got to do your homework. You got to go on social media and dig in. You got to see what people are take are are, are saying because here's the reality: you're probably not a great salesperson. And if you're not <laughs> a great salesperson, this isn't going to work. Like I'm super charming, but I've I've worked in sales, so you know what's not fun? Sales. I threw up every morning when I had to go make cold <laughs> sales calls. Uh, you know, selling for my my family ladder and scaffolding business. I don't think it would be that fun to sell people I know. You know, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I'm a great model for yoga pants, but whatever it <laughs> it specifically would be, you really need to sort of like get out of the hype and dig into it. And you're not going to find a lot of companies that have great reputations here. Yeah, that's tough. So, so you would say, cause I, you kind of answered one of my questions. I'm thinking, all right, if you get a message and, and someone's recruiting you to join this business, how do you tell which one is going to be, um, I know you say these aren't pyramid schemes, but correct me if I'm wrong, there is a potential that some of them could be fake, right? And you could be joining a pyramid scheme without realizing it. How do you tell which one's legit and which one's not? Well, some of them are publicly traded company. So if that's the case, I don't want to say it makes it easy, but you can dig into their their earnings calls and their filings and see what percentage of their salespeople make make money. They're not going to make that easy to find, uh, but that information is there. If it's not public, well, you want to do your social media homework. You want to see just how many Better Business Bureau complaints there are. If it's new, run. (laughs) Um, And again, I'm not saying there aren't sales models like this that have worked of people who have built, but you really need to consider what you're selling. And is it something that people need? Is it something that's, you know, that that's medically viable? Like, like, you know, I have a friend that sells uh, keto stuff. Uh, There's a keto. I have no idea. Uh, But it's, (laughs) it's, it's, uh, you know, health based things that are supposed to, if you have the right diet, speed up your metabolism. And there's yes science and there's no science on it. Um, but she, she herself has lost a lot of weight. She's a good salesperson and she's done reasonably well with it. But if you want to go into sales under her, 
Do you have the network she does? Do you have, you know, the the story she does where she has really great before and after pictures? Um, do you have, you know, the heart that can handle the fairly sodium heavy products that that, that mm. keto diets require? Um, you know, there's just a lot of things to factor. And I think if you do an honest appraisal, you're going to recognize in most cases that even if you think you could do well with this, it's probably not worth it. And from a financial point of view, there's an awful lot of flexible at-home jobs that are just, you know, uh, you know, more traditionally you get paid for for what you work or hourly or whatever it is. And as exciting as the idea that you could own your own business is, you don't really own your own business. You really own your own money trap most of the time. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the more we talk, it, it there there is a lot of negative talk around MLMs, but you know, some people do come into them with good intentions. So is there a good side to MLMs, even knowing that you might not make a lot of money? Uh, yeah. Like basically, well, no one ever uses the term MLM. So, so when you start looking it up and you realize that that's what it is, that's a pretty good sign that you're not going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If they're not very upfront with what percentage of people make money from their system. Ooh, that's not, that's not good as well. So, you know, yeah, if you log on and they show you a track record and a track record that's verifiable, which is not always the case if it's not a publicly traded company, there are a lot of red flags. And look, I can't think of one that the average person who's not an excellent salesperson that has some sort of extenuating circumstances where they, they don't want to work a traditional job, I can't think of one that would be a good choice. This is generally just not a great model. Now, mm. you have to also think about what you want to get out of it. If it's one that has a minimal financial equipment and you sell a few hundred dollars to your friend and they friends and they give you like a, a free whatever and you'd be excited to get a free whatever, well, that's very different and you might meet your expectations. But if your goal is that this is an income or it's going to contribute to the household, chances are it's going to actually do the opposite. All right, we got to step aside real quickly, but class will be back in session right after this. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. I look at a social media platform like TikTok, right? They actually banned MLMs in their guidelines. Um, you know, cre creators have started groups of people who are actually anti-MLMs and they share their stories of personal experiences just to bring more awareness about them. So do you see MLMs becoming less popular in the future because of all of that? I, I, I think if as a country we weren't so politically divided, there'd probably be significantly more regulation here. And I certainly won't get into politics because it, it's both sides, but there should be disclosure qualif qualifications here. There should be, look, if you join a business where only 1% of the salespeople make money and like 90% actually spend more than they take in, it seems pretty basic to me that that should be disclosed, but we just don't have laws like that. So I do see whether it's legally or anecdotally, where it just becomes very easy to Google these things. And for the most part, if you Google, will I make money selling blank, you're going to find out everything you need to know. And it's not to say, look, you know, if you Google, is it great to work at 
company with the best reputation ever. Like, is it, is it great to work at the, the National Football League? I'm sure you will find people who say, oh, it's the worst place on earth and people who say it's the best place on earth. But I think with, with this area, you're overwhelmingly going to find negative stories. And again, I, I don't want the email from the people who've made money doing it. I understand that there's a small <laughs> percentage of people who've done well. But in a lot of ways, and maybe you can relate to this, it's like being a freelance writer. Like I've made a living for decades as a freelance writer. The vast majority of people I know who thought that was appealing weren't able to do that. And that is a much more straightforward, not a scam way to make a living, uh, you know, than entering a sales structure where you're paid based on sales and based on bringing other people into the organization. Right. I, I feel like the risks are obvious and we've covered some of them and you could, you could be giving your money up to a, you know, a scheme, you could go into debt, you could, you know, they could take all your money, you can't recruit people, things like that. But are there any risks that we haven't talked about that I'm missing? Yeah, you got to be really, really careful uh, about the the commitments you're making. Like it was, it was definitely worse with the yoga pants, where you had to buy a very significant. I'm talking like you know ten thousand dollar ish, and, I, and I, I'm guessing the number based on what I've seen. That's not an official uh, quote. Um, but you literally had to make purchases regularly. And if you were out of a size, you couldn't just order that size. You had to place another order. You want to be really careful. You don't want to be paying for inventory beyond like samples. And you want there to be very clear, like throw a party. Here's the kit that comes with gifts and, and everything you need. And everything else is based on taking orders, not based on you having to have a garage full of, of whatever it is. Right. Well, okay. So let's say you join one of these, is it hard to get out? Well, it's not exactly hard to get out, though there's certainly social pressure. Once you're in, they, they really try to sell you on the, the story. You know, a lot of them will have like, hit this sales level and we pay for you to go to the national conference. But if you don't, <laughs> like you can pay to go and like, that's a profit source too. Wow. So yeah, once you're in, I don't want to like directly use the word cult. It becomes a lot of pressure. It becomes a lot of uh, you know, you're on the team. Have you booked your calls? Like, have you sent out 30 emails to, uh, you know, people in your phone or whatever it is? And there's just a, a lot of pressure. And whenever you're in that situation, it's, it's hard to leave. Look, I, I, you know, you know, just left an office space I was in during much of the pandemic because I no longer need the space. We've moved to a bigger house. And it was really difficult to say, hey, my lease is up. I'm not going to leave. And there was no pressure there. It was just people I liked. So when, you, when you're working with an organization whose entire ethos is to keep you on board because you are the revenue, not the actual sales to customers, it's not easy to leave. So you have to be very, very careful before signing up for one of these. You actually answered my next, next question because you know, some documentaries that have come out about MLMs often refer to them as cults. So it sounds like there is some sort of cult-like behavior, even if it's not a cult, it does seem like there is behavior that mimics that of a cult. Would you agree with that in your professional opinion? Yeah, absolutely. And it's always like stick and carrot. It's always like, well, I, I haven't made the money and it's well because you didn't do these things. And most of those things you then do, they don't actually benefit you most of the time. They benefit them. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so you find five people below you, maybe those people are paying their joining fees and, and they're contributing money, but they're not really selling a lot. So they're not you know, sort of paying up to you. And again, there are people who make money doing this but it's generally 1% or lower. 
I'm actually thinking about the coronavirus pandemic. One, I feel like more people were, you know, had the time as they were sitting at home to be on social media. They were probably exposed. I mean, this is not coming from any data. This is just my assumption. They're probably more exposed to things and, and people sending the messages trying to recruit them. I also think about the loss of income, you know, during during the coronavirus pandemic. Maybe people are more desperate to do something to make more money. So do you think that there is a trend of more MLMs due to the pandemic? I think there's a lot of panic and people became more recruitable. So if you're all of a sudden in a situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where it's like, okay, I, um, my bar I worked at closed, how can I make a living? If you don't dig it into your homework, these seem like relatively easy ways. And if you're a bartender, you can talk yourself into, wow, I'm really good with people. Like I know a lot of people, like it should be really easy. And well, the second you start doing some something like this, it's amazing how quiet your social network will get uh, and, yeah. and how people won't want to talk to you. So yeah, look, I think the pandemic and income fear made a lot of people do things that they otherwise wouldn't have done and and look for solutions. And, and we know like the economy has come like fairly roaring back. The job market, uh, at least at the bottom, uh, has, wages have gone up and there's a lot of openings. But that doesn't help if you don't fit those openings. That doesn't help if, you know, where you live isn't where those openings are. So yeah, a lot of people grasped at straws. A lot of people went out and said, okay, like I won't do this forever, but like this can be my six months. And, you know, in some cases it can screw up your unemployment. You really just need to be careful. And again, I understand the story, but that's what makes you vulnerable. You know, if someone is telling you something that sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Uh, If it was really easy to make money, then everyone would be doing it and there'd be no money left to be made. So you really need to do your homework and be incredibly skeptical. Selling things is really, really difficult. Selling things that people inherently don't want, that they probably have three other friends selling, that's really next to impossible. And again, if it's your lifestyle, like my friend with the keto stuff, and and you are the story, maybe it'll work for you. But this is probably not a good option for most people. Why do you think that there has been more of a stigma in the more recent years? And maybe you don't think there is, but just from my observation, when you talk about Tupperware and Tupperware parties, those were legitimate things. And I'm not saying that the parties that people are throwing for current MLMs are not legitimate things, but maybe it's because Tupperware people actually needed. I mean, they were providing something that was helpful for people at home. Not everyone needs LuLaRue, you know, not everyone needs yoga pants. So why do you think there's been more? stigma as we move throughout history of MLMs? Well, certainly social media is a piece of it. It's much easier to share your bad story. Uh, I think something like LuLaRue, an awful lot of women spent an awful lot of money. And then it became like a a sort of, you know, collective scream that, that everyone heard. But I also think the goals were different. Like, look, Tupperware is a publicly traded company, or at least it was last time I I looked. And it's, I don't want to say less insidious, but mostly you're paying your joining fee, you're having a couple of parties, maybe you like bake a little bit of money, maybe you, you 
uh, you know, you sell some to a friend, get some free stuff, but it maybe wasn't as hard to sell as like, you're going to make lots of money. This is going to be your income. You're going to support your family. Uh, some of these uh, have gotten really, really hard with sort of the sell they're putting on, the financial commitment you have to make. Look, if, if you find a multi-level marketing company where you have to pay 99 bucks and you could sell a product you like, uh, and you could sell as much of it or as little of it as you want, and they just take orders, that might be a nice little side income. I, I, again, my friend and, and former colleague who sells uh, adult toys, she's super social and she's made, you know, pocket money doing that, but she doesn't have to have an inventory beyond, you know, the sample she shows at the parties. But even that, you have to be a really specific type of personality to sell. And, you know, you also have to know if what you're selling is real. And I don't want to incite the folks at, at Herbalife for any supplement, but the U.S. government doesn't regulate supplements. So, no matter what you're selling, you're selling sort of anecdotes. You're selling like, I think this worked. And like, just because something works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for all your friends. Um, and those might be the most comfortable yoga pants in the world. But I don't think there's like a, a crying market need for expensive yoga pants that isn't being met by Lululemon or cheap yoga pants that isn't being well met by Target. So like you really need to look at the product and, and figure it out and just remember back to like, you know, what's not fun when your kid has to sell anything except Girl Scout cookies. Nobody wants the Boy Scout popcorn or, or, or whatever else it might be. There's a certain like love of Girl Scout cookies that makes that a little bit easier. But do you really want to be the person that bugs everyone you know to buy pots and pans or home food delivery or like a, a supplement that may or may not work and probably doesn't? Um, you, you know, you got to be really, really careful here. Right. OK, so I like to end all these podcasts with this question and I, I put you on the spot a little bit. But what do you think our listeners, what's the most important thing for them to know about MLMs? That you're not going to make money. <laughs> I, I, I think it's really important to understand that it's very, very rare to be successful in this. And the people who are successful tend to be driven and in a corner. So like literally they have like a sick kid, so they can't work any traditional job, but they're actually a brilliant salesperson who doesn't care if they make enemies or people are upset when they see them pop up in their text message or, or whatever it is. You have to be wired a very specific way. And look, it's not fun in the, the line of work we're in to go out and sell you know ads for your podcast. Obviously you're not doing that. There's a team at, at, at Fox that does that, but it's not fun to do that. But at least you're selling something wants people want that has a really definitive value where you could say, yep, this is the return. This is how many people are going to hear it. This is the actions they'll take. This is how you... Well, most of what you're selling in multi-level marketing is vague and promises or talking someone into something they don't want. Again, you know, remember the Ginsu knives they used to sell on, on infomercials? That wasn't multi-level marketing. But it's like, I could do the demo where you throw the tomato up in the air and I slice it in half. But honestly, how often does that come up? And do you, <laughs> do you need your knife to do that? And the reality is you probably don't need it. So what are you doing in these jobs? You're selling people stuff they don't need. And again, it's very different if you're looking at this as just like, I'm going to sell a few and, and I really like these books or these, this food product or whatever it is. So I'm, I'm going to do it for my immediate family and my, my easy contacts. If, if that's what you're doing, look at it very carefully what you're signing and making sure you're not making a commitment that's bigger 
than you want to make. But yeah, run, run from this type of business. There are lots of ways to make money. You know, this is the equivalent of you get that email that says, do you know the store near you needs secret shoppers? You can get paid to shop. No, no, you can't. That, that's, <laughs> that's not a thing. You know, if, if it's too good. I to want be, that job. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. <laughs> Well, I heard that Dan is looking for an assistant. So if there's anyone listening to this, he pays good money, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, thank you so much for joining. This was super interesting, especially because it's so relevant to all of our lives. And, you know, there's things coming out about it on Netflix and things like that. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thank you for having me. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways from my conversation with Daniel Klein. Number one, Dan says it's really hard to make money in MLMs. In fact, less than 1% of people actually can turn a significant profit. What's so difficult is that you're typically selling things to people that they don't actually need. MLMs are usually vague. You're selling a promise, not always things that have a definitive value. So that makes it incredibly challenging. Which brings me to number two. Even though these aren't technically pyramid schemes, the people who typically are the most successful are at the top of the pyramid and the people who are least successful are at the bottom. So if you're going to join one of these, you have to do your research. If someone is recruiting you, ask to talk to four other people at the company. Look at their earnings reports. Some of these things could be hard to find, but if it's a legitimate company, they'll be available. And number three. Dan says the coronavirus pandemic made people more vulnerable to MLMs because of the loss of income, the use of social media, and the overall need for a lot of people to make more money. To that point, social media has in a way fueled the stigma of MLMs because it gives people more access to those stories of people that have not had good experiences with multi-level marketing businesses. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast on MLMs. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.